0: you're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. You know when you read through the Bible, uh, I hate to say it, but every now and then you're like, you know, I've got that schedule out in front of me, I've got to get to for the day, and and I also, but I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to get my devotions in for the day and you run out the door and hope for, hopefully your conscience feels a little bit better. I hate those days. But I love the days when you're reading and God starts to do this to the heart and just kind of poke around and and show you that this is you're the one I want to talk to you about today. I, I don't want you to think about what's coming up at work. I don't want you to think about what you got to do later when you get home from work. I want to, I want to talk to you about some things concerning you. And this is one of those passages of scripture that uh, God used in my life to help me and to encourage me and to to kind of bring me around into some areas that uh, I needed to be mindful of every day when I have my time with the Lord And hopefully God can use this with you as well. So we'll be in the book of Luke chapter 7. I believe we stand when we read, okay? Let's go ahead and stand if you're able to. If you're not, we understand that. Luke chapter 7. you get there, say blizzard or something like that. Luke chapter seven, I want us to look at, uh, we're going to look at a couple of verses. We'll jump around until I get down to the text, but I do want to remind you of a couple of things. Um, Notice in verse two, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. Do you remember that story? Uh, Jesus was on his way to healing. He comes out and says, really, uh, you know, you don't need to come in. Just say the word and, and he could be, he would be healed. And he did. They went back to the house and there he was healed up. Let's see, drop down to verse 17, if you will. And verse 17, and this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and through, throughout all the region round about. I mean, you walk into a city called Nain and there's a funeral procession taking place, and you walk up and touch the, the casket and tell the young man to arise, what a funeral service that was. Yeah, right. Now, that's gonna happen again one day. Yeah. It's gonna be more than one body, amen? Jesus is gonna do that for everybody in the grave, but that was an astounding day. Uh, that, that rumor went uh, throughout the region. Go down to verse 30 now. <clears throat> now, I want you to notice In spite of a whole lot of miracles that these guys had just seen, things that should make you stand there with your mouth open, listen to what verse 30 says. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him. Basically, as you know, the Pharisees and the scribes They were not fans of Jesus, and they did not like him. Every opportunity they could find to try to condemn him or put him down or at least try to put him in his place, they they were trying to do that. So that brings me down to verse 36, and let's get started in the text where I'd like for us to be. So in verse 36, which surprises me, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down, meet, And behold, a woman in the city, and notice how God chooses to describe her, which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them, with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake, and look at the wording, within himself. In other words, quietly so nobody else could hear. He said within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. Now not realizing Jesus read every word in his, in his mind. So here's, here's what he says. And he saith, Master, say on. Sure, you got something you want to say to me? Sure, go ahead. Verse 41. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. Now he's going to hold up somebody now that fits the example he just gave, okay? Verse 44, and he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, which was custom in that day, by the way Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. She demonstrated it, in other words, in that way. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, My sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Here they they go again. Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Amen. I think that's such a wonderful story. Amen. And it touches my heart. Uh, one of those times God just pressed on my heart and wouldn't let up. So let's have a word of prayer and then I'll let you be seated. Thank you, Lord. Sure is a blessing to be here today. What an honor that I could be back here, uh, not just in the house of the Lord, but back at Eastside Baptist Church. So good to see so many familiar faces, but also at the same time, So many new faces that you've brought here. We just want to take the time, Lord, if we could just bow at the feet of Christ and just tell you thank you for what you've done for us. You've been so good to us, Lord. We we haven't deserved any of your goodness, but you've been so good. And we just say we love you now. Would you bless the preaching of your word and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. You can be seated. I know this illustration has been used a lot of times, but it's so fitting for uh, what I want to share with you this morning, kind of to kind of lead into uh, the message this morning. Uh, uh, The church, uh, I don't even remember where where the town was, but there was a church and people were making their way into church and all the ladies are coming in, their hair is all fixed just right and got the little kids come walking in in their uh, cute little dresses and and the little boys all dressed up and slid their little tie up nicely. And, and everybody's looking so churchy, if you know what I mean. Uh, and as they were coming in, what had become so disgusting to them was a homeless man had made his way and was sitting uh, on, the, on the steps. And uh, it was interesting to watch the people treat the homeless guy, how they treated him and make the broad circle. Some, some said, hi, good to see you. And uh, others, for the most part, just made their way in and hoping one of the deacons would go take care of the homeless guy and, you know, move him on to his way wherever he needed to be. And then as the service began to start and uh, everybody's looking around and ready for things to get going, of course, if you're familiar with the story, um, the homeless guy comes walking down the aisle and everybody's acting like our pew is full, can't sit here. And then as he got closer to the uh, platform, uh, somebody's looking around like someone needs to stop this guy and he gets up to the platform and again, those of you who know the story, took off all his garb and stripped down to what he was wearing truly for Sunday and there stood the pastor of their church who had disguised himself uh, to make himself look like somebody that lots of people would not want anything to do with. And I'm um, I can't say that I have never had a thought go through my mind when I've seen certain people or wondered, you know, I guess I'm not going to go into what I said about those people in my heart, but I think we've all had that judgmental kind of a spirit. We've seen people in certain circumstances. How about happening here at church? Uh, We've seen things happen and our human nature is so easy to cast judgment on what we just saw. And yet... We don't know the whole background of the story. We don't know what happened just prior to. We don't know what's going to take place later on. and even if you did know the story, it would not be right for us to sit and cast judgment and be critical of some people about what you may what may disgust you. Let's pause for a little amen there. yeah, because that would apply to every one of us, not supposed to, uh, not supposed to do that. So we get into a story here and boy, it does, it is fitting for a a gentleman, a a Pharisee that's in our story here. Let me bring out some of the thoughts and the points that God spoke to me about. I see the woman that came walking in and I want to call her, I want to call this point, the determined drive of a forgiven sinner. My belief is, is the woman was already saved when she came in. I know I've read different commentaries. Some of them say, well, she got saved right then and there uh, as she came inside. But others say what I believe with all my heart, I think she already got saved and was coming in to demonstrate the love that she had for the Lord. So so this scene takes place, think about this now, in the house of a Pharisee. My, um, my cousins lived four doors down from us in Ohio and uh, their mom's name was Norma. And uh, I always was so intimidated when I went in their house. We had a decent house, uh, but Milton and Norma's house was immaculate. And I would go in and I was just, even as a little kid, afraid to run through the house like my cousins were. It was just an environment that I felt uncomfortable in. Uh, Can you imagine this woman who was a sinner? Now, you can only imagine when God takes the time to describe a woman like that, what she probably was, my guess probably a a harlot in the street. Now she walks into um, this Pharisee's house. And if you remember who the Pharisees are, let's just take a little bit. Um, These were the guys that followed the law to a T. They were part of a brotherhood. Uh, They would enter into this brotherhood by, they would, take a pledge and there had to be at least three witnesses in front of them that they would spend their entire lives observing every detail of the scribal law. So that's what they were intended to do. And so can you just imagine when um, this woman comes walking into the room knowing she is that lady of the street, how their antennas went straight up and all of their criticality of what they had been taught and what was so wrong about her what they must have began uh, thinking about her. But can you imagine what it had to be like for the woman with her previous reputation to come into a room like that? I really stopped and thought about that. What did it take for her to come walking into that house of the Pharisee and then to have Jesus there? What must have been going through her mind? So stay with me on this thought. I really believe that the awkwardness of coming into this Pharisee's house was overcome by her overwhelming love for the Savior. I really do. It could have been a little bit intimidating to some, but not to this woman. But I believe because she was only focused on one person. So when she came into the house of the Pharisee where Jesus was, she in her mind was not coming into the house of a Pharisee. She was coming into a room where Jesus was. That's what was in her mind. By the way, it would do us a lot of good if we'd come into church that way. Yes, that we come into the house of God to come here because this is where Jesus is. This, is. this is not where, you know, so-and-so has said this about me or this person has acts this way toward me. You know, if you can get your eyes off of who you deem to be Pharisees in your church and walk into the house of God and say, I've come here to focus my attention on one person, you'll do a whole lot better during the service and for the message that God has for you. So it's highly possible. I really believe it's possible. I I can't prove this. Maybe she had seen the centurion servant healed from a distance. Maybe. She was in the background when the widow's son was raised from the dead at Nain and watched that woman walk home with her son, arm in arm, rejoicing at what had just happened. Uh, And if you read the entire chapter, you'll find that Jesus uh, healed the blind, the the deaf were uh, made to be able to hear, the lame were able to get up and, and walk. It's possible that she had seen all of those things. And you know what? It's very likely that she might've heard after all those things, she might've heard Jesus say something like, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I've got rest for your soul. And it's possible that he looked her in the eye knowing who she was and how everybody else um, wanted to push her aside and how Jesus so loved those kind of people. I love the story. He came down from the mount and the leper comes running up to Jesus and everybody else probably uh, you know, scattering and yet Jesus goes up to him, takes him and says, I will heal you. Jesus is looking for the person that wants to know about Jesus, Amen. wants to be genuine about knowing the Lord. Yeah. So think about this with all the weight of her dark, And sinful life bearing down on her. And just stop and think about it, guys. Just stop and think about all the memories that Satan likes to throw in her in her mind and and all those things that reminded her of how bad a person she had been. We know what that's like, don't we? We know what it's like when you you think that Jesus might be trying to talk to me, maybe try to use me, or the pastor's preaching a message about surrendering to God, and the devil comes along and hops up on your shoulder and whispers in your ear. Yeah, but you remember what you did when, and you know what your life was like before, and on and on the devil can go. And I've got an idea, with all the weight of her dark and sinful life bearing down on her, she had come to Jesus, and having nothing to pay him. If I can go back to the example Jesus gave, he just frankly forgave it all. You ever had a time in your life where God took something off your heart and soul, forgave you of something so big that you literally could feel the weight coming off of your heart? I've been there. I have felt the weight disappear. And that had to be something like this woman felt. And she no longer felt guilty. All she could think about was the one who had done this for her. And honestly, the Pharisees had no bearing on her. And she was just coming in overwhelmed with the kind of love that that man had for someone like me. And she had to get to him. So when she knew and had watched him and saw that he had gone into the house of the Pharisee, she knew she finally had the opportunity to somehow show the great gratitude for what he had done for her. Yes. And she couldn't wait to get there. Stumbling over the Pharisee, I, I've got an idea, she may have stepped on his toes or something, could care less. She was making her way to Jesus. And if, and if so, she's driven with that overwhelming love and gratitude that drove her to wash Jesus' feet with her tears. You know, what a lesson for the weak and beggarly Christian who may not feel worthy of approaching so lofty, so holy a God as Jesus. And I I just want us to be reminded, we need to know that Jesus welcomes us and his love surpasses any human feelings of our unworthiness. Guys, take the worst thing you can think about yourself and, and stand it up in front of Jesus. He still loves you. And he'll forgive you of all of that and wants you to to be one of his children and and to serve alongside of him. By the way, you say, well, she couldn't have felt very worthy. Well, let me just say something. We don't approach Jesus on our worthiness anyway. (laughs) We approach Jesus on his worthiness and what he's done for me. It's his robe of righteousness. It was nothing that I was able to assemble. He did it all for me. And so I approach God on the worthiness of the Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what's amazing to me? It's amazing the people that won't come to an altar to love on Jesus or to make some decision for the Lord all because of what somebody else might think of me or because of what someone has said about me or because what they know about me or what my spouse knows about me or my children know what I'm really like. and, and, and uh, God touches your heart during a service and the pastor's preaching a message or you're reading the Bible and God begins to speak to your heart and you just feel like I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worthy. But you've been made worthy by the blood of Jesus Christ and if you know the Lord as your savior, friend, you're clean as you'll ever be in your life. Jesus has done that for us. So get this, this woman came to Jesus with all eyes on her. Everybody in that room staring at her. So she came into the room with all eyes on her. But again, she was not concerned with who was watching her, but rather with who she had her eyes focused on. Man, that was such a lesson for me Uh, to stop and think about and in the ministry, being around groups of pastors, the comparison that takes place. And nobody has to say anything to you like how big's your church now or, or how many did you have saved last year or how many did you baptize? It's just a spirit that can be in the air and I could never stand that. And when I would learn to get my eyes off of what brother so-and-so, what their church may have done or what ours did or did not do and I just got there and got my eyes on Jesus is when things began to change and my heart just began to melt and my appreciation and love for the Lord was truly focused. Let's look at the judgment of the Pharisee. Drop back down there in verse 39, Luke 7, and look there in verse 39. Uh, Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him uh, saw it, he spake within himself saying, you know, this man, if, if he were really a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Okay, so now we got the judgment of the Pharisee. And the Pharisee was questioning even the validity of Jesus, whether he was really a prophet of God or not, because of his tolerance for this sinner woman. So in his mind, and according to his laws that he had his antennas all stretched out for, and he knew in his books that when he touched that woman or she touched him, he's defiled He's no longer worthy of any kind of his uh, spiritual duties, okay? But this was much more, guys, than a prophet. This was the Savior who had come to seek and to save that which was lost. Praise the Lord for that. And she she was exactly who he wanted to be there. I love that. I know in his heart he was looking around just waiting and saying, she'll be here in a minute because I know she's coming. And she's exactly the kind I want here. So I don't know if you're visiting today. I don't know if you're a regular member. Well, I know some of you are. But I don't know what it feels like when you walk into an auditorium like this and see a group of folks. We're all, again, we're in our Sunday best. I want to tell you, you're exactly who Jesus wants to be here today. He was waiting for you. And I believe he's in this room. And loves you with all of his heart and couldn't wait that you would show up for church today on a cold South Dakota winter day. But he knew you was coming. So while others are sitting around eating their meat for their bodies, Jesus had meat to eat that they knew not of. He had something that went a lot deeper than the meal the Pharisee was giving to him. He was reaching into the heart of somebody. So you notice the criticism of the Pharisee, what he had said. Did you notice that it was said in the silence of his heart? And yet Jesus had heard every word. It would do us good just to stop here for a minute and be reminded of that. Can we all just, just listen very carefully? When somebody aggravates you or they've done something that really irks you, when your husband or wife or your children or deacon so and so or whoever is in this church has done something that has worked on you and you sit there and you say those words in your heart, you, you know, they come by and you shake their hand with a smile. And the whole time inside, you're saying those words. Or you say them later on, or you lay in bed at night and you say all those things. I need you to know the microphone is on loud and clear. God's been listening to what you say. And he knows something's not right in your heart when you're like that. He knows there's something that has probably gone on in your own heart where you probably have been hurt yourself or somebody said some things that have been devastating to you and you've not learned how to find healing by the blood of Jesus or by the grace of God. God's listening to everything we say. We might want to take notice of Matthew 12, 36, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I looked at um, Ezekiel 11.5. Listen to this wording. God says, for I know the things that come into your mind. Here's his words. Every one of them. (laughs) He doesn't miss a thing. And listen to everything you're saying all the time. So, Be sure to gauge what you allow your mind to think about others who are just trying their best to stumble through Christianity and do their best to love the Lord. Hey, you haven't always been at the level of growth you're at. And somebody was really patient with you while you were stumbling around hurting somebody's feelings and they loved on you. And it would do us good to be mindful of that. Look at the lesson from the Savior. We found it there in verse 40 to 43. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. Notice the scenario now. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, you ought to circle those words, nothing to pay. He frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. So Jesus poses this scenario where this creditor had a couple of debtors, owed him money. And let's say, for instance, uh, one owed him 500 bucks and the other owed him 50 bucks. You can imagine that. Uh, the guy comes up and says, I need you guys to pay up. And they pull their pants pockets out. They don't have nothing in their pockets, nothing in their account. And, uh, he looks at him. He sees the the look on their face. He's like, guys, listen, you know, think about this later on. But for right now, I'm going to forgive you. I'll forgive you of all this debt. So the guy that owed $500 and the guy that owed 50 bucks were both forgiven of it all. Okay. So, uh, Let's, let's do something here today. I want to determine in here who the greatest sinners are. You can point if you want to. Just kidding. Uh, so let's call the greatest sinners the heavies. And then those who are lesser sinners, the lightweights. And how should we do this? Let's, let's say we do this. All the heavies, in other words... All those who think, man, I'm one of the greatest sinners. If you just knew my life, man, oh man, I have a past like I don't even want to tell anybody. What we'll we'll do is have all the heavyweights come up here on the platform. Not now. You don't have to do this, all right? Um, But all the lightweights, and you guys, not too bad of sinners, grew up a decent kind of a life. You get to go and meet at Dairy Queen and have a wonderful time without all these heavyweights defiling your ice cream sundaes. Wait a minute. Hold your place here in Luke. Let's go to James for a minute. Can you do that? James chapter 2. Everybody there? Here are the pages rustling. James chapter 2. You want to read this verse out loud with me and we're in verse 10. James 2 and verse 10, read it out loud with me. Here we go, verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Ugh. Now that didn't feel too good. A matter of fact, when I stop and think about that, it looks like we all missed out on Dairy Queen because we're all heavyweights. In other words, we are all great sinners before God because when you have committed one sin, you've broken the entire law the whole body of the law you're guilty of the whole thing so stop and think about that we need to understand that we were exactly like the woman in this story honestly we we were but how neither one of us had the ability to pay our debt that we owed to the lord we were all destined to a devil's hell every one of us I thank God I was raised in a Christian home, Franklin, Ohio, a missionary Baptist temple. I walked down the aisle when I was nine years old. Eddie Bates and Ova, did I say his name right? Mural, Mural. Both of them with their arms around me led me in a, in a, to the Lord and I, I thank God that I had gotten saved. I didn't know what it was like to not be in church on Sunday and Wednesday in vacation Bible schools and every other um, service that we had. We were at every one of them. And my dad was a very godly man and loved the Lord and trained us up in the way we should go. But I want to tell you, if I had died at eight years old, I would have gone to the same hell as the drunk on the street who uh, committed all kinds of crimes. The problem with me and the problem with the drunk on the street was the same. We just didn't have anything to pay whatsoever. And if I'd have stood before God, I'd have had to pull out empty pockets and stand there and say, I have have nothing to offer to God. But if I live on this earth, Jesus comes to me and says, I'll I'll fill your bank account in a way that you'll never deplete it ever again with my righteousness. So when we see all that she did in the story, the reason that she wept with great tears, wiped his feet with her hair, anointed his feet with ointment in spite of all the judgmental eyes glaring at her. When we see all that and you say, why? It's because she knew in her heart she had been forgiven of so much. Yes. Well, I've, I, I've never murdered anybody. If you've broken one point of the law, you're guilty of all. Right. Well, I've never, you name any sin you want to name, and when, I, when we all stood before Jesus, before salvation, we were dirty, rotten sinners. And Jesus came to you and said, I'll still take you. I'll take her. I'll take him. I've been waiting on him to get into church. I, I knew they were coming today. And I'm, I trust and pray you all know the Lord is your Savior. How many of you are saved and on your way to heaven? And you, no doubt about it. Well, if there's a question in your heart and mind and you're sitting here saying, man, I'm just not like all these folks. Oh, you're just like we were before we got saved. And Jesus is in this room today just waiting on you to show up and here you are. And he's looking for you to come to him. Man. Let me say this as well. For all of us who are saved and on our way to heaven, how long has it been? Since you just stepped back and looked at your life before you got saved and remembered where you would have gone if Jesus would have had the trumpet sound and all the Christians would have gone up. How long has it been since you stopped and realized I'd have gone to hell and I'd have burned right alongside of the worst sinner on earth because I was just like him. And Jesus saw me Somehow he got somebody to come to me. Uh, somehow in one of those church services, God was patient enough with me and kept dealing with my heart over and over again. God lovingly and patiently kept tapping on my heart until I came down an aisle or till somebody led me to the Lord or somebody at my house loved me enough or somebody at work wouldn't let up. How many remember West Windland? Amen. West Windland. Anybody remember the yellow van? Remember the Bible on the outside of the van? It was all kinds of verses. And almost everybody in town knew Wes Windland. And he was an alcoholic, a bad one. But he had a friend. And I love that little phrase. He had a friend that kept trying to witness to him. And Wes would swear him out. And he kept witnessing to him and over and over and over. And finally, one day in this gentleman's house, I wish I could call his name out. Does anybody here remember that guy's name? He was in his house and uh, witnessed to him one more time and Wes began to cry. <laughs> and he got down on his knees and Wes told me, he said, I confessed every sin I could think of. And I said, well, Wes, you just had to confess that you were a sinner and that I, I was guilty before God and God would have saved you. He said, yeah, but I named them all. And I said, boy, what a day that was, huh? For that other guy listening to those things, huh? If Wes was here, I don't know if he would wait to come during the invitation. I'm I'm just being honest. That's the kind of guy he was and would weep and thank the Lord for what he had done for him. We need more West Windlands in this world. I'm here to tell you, we really do. When's the last time you just came and gathered around and just said, Jesus, I I know you're not here physically where I could wash the feet with tears and dry it with my hair and anoint your feet with oil. But you know what Jesus said, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of one of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Well, I could do that if Jesus was here. That would be easy. Who wouldn't want to love on him and even wash his feet with my tears? But the people sitting next to you is Jesus to you. Yeah. Your wife, your husband, your children, and every person in this room, when you show an act of godly love to the people around you, Jesus said, you've, you've done that to me. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how is it at home? How are you loving, if I can use, use it this way, Jesus at home? How you doing? Does he feel your expressions of love at your house, at your workplace, here at church? Because you love the brethren like this woman loved him. So when I finished up with this passage of scripture and God had dealt with my heart, it was, uh, it was an easy thing just to turn my heart to him. Say, man, you, you've done a lot for me. Just want to take some time and love on you. Really love you. So let's do this, if you would. If we could stand together, our heads are bowed and our eyes closed today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And I I would just ask, um, out of respect for those around you and nobody looking around, could I just ask you a, a question this morning? Is there anyone here today that would say, uh, Brother Spencer, I'm one of those if I died today. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't have that assurance in my heart. And I want what that woman had when she came to Jesus. I want that kind of love. But I, I don't think I'm saved today. And I just would appreciate, would you just keep me in prayer? Now, no one's looking about. But friend, would you slip your hand up just real quick and write back down? Because I'd love to be in prayer for you. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Is there somebody else I just don't know for sure? If I died today, I'd be in heaven. Well, I want to tell you, friend, that same Jesus that loved on that woman who was waiting on her to show up in that room is waiting for you today and would love to save you today. And I would just say to the Christian here today, if it's been a while since you've come to the Lord and just bowed down and said, you know, God, it's been a while since I told you how much you mean to me and how much you've done for me. And I just want to tell you, you mean the world to me today. I would challenge you uh, when we begin to sing here in just a moment that you'd let God have his way. So Father, thank you for your goodness to us here today and the word of God that has so spoken to my heart Thank you for your patience that you've shown to us, Lord, throughout our lifetime. And I'm asking you right now, Lord Jesus, would you just draw the heart of each of us to you again? Remind us of how much you forgave us of and the kind of gratitude and the way we ought to live one with another and demonstrate that we know God has forgiven us of so much. I pray that you'll speak to every heart. If there's someone here that's not saved and needs to know you, give them the boldness the boldness and the conviction to come forward today and let us take the word of God and show them how to know Christ as Savior. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.